of moving the Texas legislature further to the right where it needs to be. Ah, good deal, good deal. Yeah, I, I, I didn't... The NAFTA superhighway dead for another couple of years because one of the odd things about Texas, our state legislature only meets once every two years, and that's for four months. And as I explain this to, to non-Texans, it's because most people in Texas believe that Texas has all the laws it needs. We don't yeah. need any more laws. And yeah. our problem is we have too many laws. And the job of these people is to start getting rid of the laws we don't need anymore, but because they're politicians, they can't do that. Yeah, yeah. it's like we open the show with here. They want a bipartisan effort to create new legislation when we don't even have any good usable data to say that the old legis- legislation didn't work. I mean, they, they just didn't enforce it. So we don't know. It may very well uh, be applicable. But I think we're they're trying to condition us to actually accept the fact that we cannot ever, for any reason, say no, to, to tap the brakes at the, uh, on immigration and say, you know what, we've reached our capacity. If we take any more in, all this freedom and liberty that you're immigrating here for will become unstable and fail. We've got to be able to acclimate these people in not be a shock to our economy or or a shock to any of the systems that benefit Americans. But they're conditioning us to say we can't ever say no. We have to keep letting them in, even if it means our own destruction. And that's what I boiled it down to, is that we can't say no. That's the opinion of the political left. Correct, because what that, that compromise is actually trying to do is reset the bar that says, okay, the first 1.8 million just get in, and you know, then after that we'll start worrying about legitimate asylum claims and everything else is locked down. And it's like, okay, and who's going to be counting that 1.8 million? Yeah, right. Okay. right? Probably the ones that counted the votes. <laughs> yeah, the same people. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a, a hot mess. I say uh, no to new legislation. Because of the current situation, because I think if we look at what uh, Governor Abbott has done with the use of the Texas military department to put barriers up and um, prevent the Border Patrol from removing those barriers or interfering with the use of those barriers, we have two likely things coming up in, in the next week that are going to be really important. And one of those is the, hey, we've got a compromise with Congress. So, you know, crisis is over. You know, it, it, you know, you can, you know, send the National Guard guys home. You know, everything's solved. Border's good. And that's going to be the lefty play, I think. The other yeah. play is because Governor Abbott has basically said, uh, they'll try and federalize the Texas National Guard, which they could do. But of course, that has an expense. And, you know, then there will be that threat. And uh, I make it currently that Governor Abbott to that threat is also going to say. Good. And so, you know, it, it then gets interesting, as we say. How is the morale in the uh, chatter amongst guardsmen? I mean, is it an adversarial uh, type of thing at, at the border when you're dealing with uh, DHS and the others or. Uh, I mean, is there a sense of camaraderie uh, and, you know, proudly standing for the state of Texas? What's the 
what's the sentiment and the feeling uh, in the background? Okay, uh, things have shifted over time. Uh, if you, you talk to Border Patrol agents, you know, one-on-one, you know, where their superiors are not listening, they are extremely mad at our government for betraying them. Uh, you know, the Texas military people want to secure the border. The problem that we had uh, initially is that every time somebody came over the border, all we do is turn them over to the Border Patrol, and they get processed into the country. Now with the change in orders um, to actually maintain the barrier, the military department is trying to prevent people from coming into the country. Therefore, they're not handed over to the Border Patrol. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's got everybody feeling much better about the mission because, well, that's kind of why we went down there in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Um, In your opinion, do you think there could be because uh, we talked a little bit about this in the pre-interview, it's kind of like whack-a-mole. And I've heard this from a lot of people, too. There seems to be, uh, you know, uh, cohesiveness and opinion on this, is that when you go and plug a hole somewhere, they're just going to pop up somewhere else. They've always got contingencies. They'll just move a little farther down to where there's not a wall, a little farther down to where there's not patrols. Um, and if you... Lockdown Texas, obviously Arizona is going to get flooded, but is there the potential here? And do you think maybe one should develop, say, a a border state caucus where those border states, New Mexico, Texas, Arizona, California, that they work together as border states to have a, a singular plan for patrolling and enforcing their borders? Because you've got to really kind of plug all the holes, and and that's the the only way, because these states independently have the absolute right under the Tenth Amendment uh, to defend their themselves and their borders. But is there room to work together for those border states where they can focus? Because the rest of the country, you know, they've got their own borders, but it's unique that they share a, a federal border. Um, should they be working together to plug all those holes simultaneously? The Texas legislature and Arizona legislature have been in communication with each other uh, about that, you know, for coordinating activities and, and border security. Um, New Mexico is still a little bit on leans Democrat, and but their border is not as substantial as Texas or Arizona's is. And, well, California is still California. Um, but, of course, with Texas having over half the border, you know, what that really does is it's which cartels become impacted by this. So if you get really good security on the Texas side of the border, you really cut into the Gulf cartel, you cut into Los Zetas, um, you, you cut into Cartel de Oeste, and you, you cut in a little bit to the uh, CJNG. Um, and so, you know, you can really make a, a dent in that if you have good border security just in Texas. You know, if you add Arizona to that, you're, you're really going to make a, a good dent, and only one or two of the cartels really have a, a, a revenue stream. You know, so, and that becomes the, the real kind of issue here on border security. If you can get it good enough to where you start to cut into the cartel's revenue streams, then life gets interesting because you're either going to start to take apart the cartels or the cartels are going to react violently. 
Yeah. Now you mentioned that there might be some uh, hope for the political winds to to change in Texas, and of course this you know, assumes that this type of uh, uh, teamwork and, and effort uh, amongst the states that you have the political will of your state politicians. Um, how? Uh, I mean, cartel money is big and deep. Uh, I mean, we saw with Katie Hobbs, for example, in Arizona. There's a nice recent example. She had connections to the cartel. I mean, how, what, what is the potential of our politicians on those border states uh, to be bought out? Um, uh, fairly high, to, to be perfectly honest here. And, um, you know, because of the corrupting influence money has on politics in this country, uh, you know, obviously, that's a risk. And, you know, one of the things that, that I think is going to be interesting here is, you know, we've seen uh, 25 of the Republican governors, you know, express support for Texas and its use of the National Guard to secure the border. Um, you know, and one of those things is, okay, at some point, how many people do you have to pay off if you want to try and really change policy uh, at the state level where this is happening versus, you know, the federal level? Um, and again, some states are, are going to be, you know, based on the demographics and how people vote. Um, you know, we, we kind of know which parties are more susceptible to corruption from which uh, entities, uh, and, of course, our, our problem before has been at the state level that whenever a large international businesses are also aligned with the interests that are contrary to the citizens of this country, uh, you know, it, that's been one of the big changes in the late 20th century into the 21st century. You know, when you look at, at the old, you know, what we call the robber barons, okay, you know, U.S. Steel you know, the um, Standard Oil Trust. You know, at least those guys were run by Americans who made all their money in America. You know? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. an equivalent in other countries, but, you know, they had an interest, you know, their interest aligned with the interest uh, of the country. You know, now, because of all the international cabals, uh, you know, these are, are people who really hate the idea of national borders and want to do away with them. To, get, to keep things in, in uh, context and, and scope, would you say that the, uh, the, the NGOs are equally as impactful as the cartels? Are we doing ourselves an injustice by just talking about the, you know, the sexy news clippings of, of cartel activity? Uh, in in forgetting about the role of the NGOs, but I mean, yeah, in scope, NGOs, are they both? Go yeah, ahead. the NGOs are actually paying the cartels to move the people. Mm. So, so that know, that was one of my questions. I was going to ask you earlier if there was yeah, actual the direct connection aspect to this. You know that the money is being laundered through the NGOs. Yeah, so there's direct uh, uh, con- agreements between cartels. In the international NGOs, and they partner together and contract together. Yeah, because you know the the NGOs are you know setting up their little shelters and whatnot in Mexico, and nothing happens in Mexico without permission of the cartels. And how do the cartels give you permission? You pay them. 
it's a you know it's a symbiotic relationship. And then they get paid again uh, from the people they're trafficking. Sounds like there's a lot of double dipping along the way. Of course. And wow. the cartels are in it for the money. Right. Tom, do you mind if we uh, uh, open up the phone lines, take some calls if anyone's got questions? Oh, please do. All right. So uh, there you have it, folks. we got a few things out there. We're going to keep uh, uh, talking here, but uh, please do if you uh, would like to call in. 512-248-8252. Uh, feel free to call in, uh, ask a question if you have one. Um, again, to those that are just tuning in, uh, Red Pill Politics. We're joined this week with Tommy Attaway. He's an author, a former uh, Army officer, and current Texas State Guard. And we're talking about what's going on at the border, the activity, and uh, the uh, prevalence of the cartels and um, also the NGOs. I'm glad to see focus starting to happen here is these NGOs always follow the money. Follow the money. We fund entities like the United Nations supposedly to do global good and in this case we see that they have actually taken the billions of dollars that we've given them and, and distribute it through a, a dragnet of NGOs and little Soviets to invade and take this country to its knees. We, um, we stand, this is one thing that's unique about the United States, and uh, i got to throw this out there again. I'm going to repeat this, folks, until it, until it makes sense to you. Here in the United States, we have the unique uh, right as individuals we have the absolute right of private property ownership into the United Nations in most of the nations of the world who are socialist, communist, Marxist, totalitarian. There is no other nation in the world where the individual has the rights that they do here in America regarding private property ownership. And for that reason, almost everything out of the U.N., Literally, almost everything is not just a, not such a good idea. It is categorically incompatible with the United States. So almost everything that they've done has been to take us to our knees, roll us over into a new uh, a, a digital currency that's controlled by who? People like Klaus Schwab? You all know a Harari? They'll turn, turn you on and off like a light once you accept that. Um, and these policies, there's a reason that we're having flare-ups. There's a reason why our economy is, is floundering here. And it's due to all these international intrusions of policies that are inconsistent with free market capitalism. That are inconsistent with your right to own property, folks. So get off your hands. We're about to lose it all. They're 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 making a grasp of the golden ring right now. Um, let's see here. We got we got a break coming up, and then we're going to take a call uh, from Kansas. Uh, stay with us, folks. We'll be back in just a few short minutes. This is Red Bill Politics, listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned. Farewell, farewell. 
I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pastures meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pastures meats, and even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low-quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised, where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. But I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork raised the way nature intended. there are you gonna wait till the cows come home to get your new ease off drop and lift what in the world is an ease off drop and lift our ease off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control that sounds great but can i afford it sure and the ease off installs fast the effortless operation will reduce fatigue speed up your line and increase profits okay i'm convinced where can i get my ease off go to easeoff.com that's e-a-z-e-o-f-f.com and hurry because we're offering free shipping for a limited time easeoff.com we make pigs fly cows too ease off llc 
Texas State Guard. Uh, he's a um, former military officer. He's an author. Uh, and Tom, let me give you a, a moment. To tell us a little bit about your uh, your book, how people can get in touch with you. If you've got a website, email address you'd like to share, uh, let's get that out there and tell us a little bit more about your uh, your book. Okay. Um, I'm involved in the Texas independence movement um, for reasons primarily because uh, looking at the state of the country today, um, you know, I, I don't expect us to be able to hold together and last much longer. And, and so one of the things I was tasked with was, okay, give us a, a plan on how Texas becomes independent. And I said, well, I, I can do that based on my ar- Army operations background, but, you know, nobody's going to read a 100-page operations plan. Um, so I decided to turn it into a story because people will read a story. And, and so the the books... Um, it'll when it's done, it'll be a, a three series. The the first and second one's already been published, but then Amazon bought my publisher and and didn't do me any favors, and I'm banned off Facebook and other things. Um, oh but I can still be found on on MeWe as Tommy Attaway. But anyway, so the the, the book is a, a hopefully a a ripping good story on um, how Texas. Uh, becomes independent and tries to restore constitutional liberty and, you know, government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And if if it had been more successful, I probably would have done another alternate series on the same for the United States. Uh, But anyway, that's my my spiel on on my writing. I think that's a good approach because I watched LaVoy Finnegan do that. Uh, even Glenn Beck, love him or hate him, when he did his book Agenda Twenty One, you know it was it, it was a guide disguised as a story, you know. And and if that's what it takes to get through to people, I mean that's why I'm here right now and not out ice fishing somewhere. I really uh, couldn't care less about podcasting. <laughs> I'm doing this because yeah. I'm trying to save my my country. Um, but whatever it takes uh, to get the information into people's heads. Uh, good stuff. Well, I'll track down that uh, your page on MeWe and make sure that uh, follows here in the show description. Um, good stuff. Now we got a caller. Uh, let's jump over to uh, Sherry from Kansas. How are you today? Hello, guys. Uh, Tom, glad you came on, Tommy. I used to love to listen to your history lessons, and I catch oh. him. Was that on uh, AVR? <laughs> was that on AVR or RBN? Uh, it was on, on um, AVR for a while with Doc Green Show, but yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was really uh, good. We'll, we'll, we'll see if uh, Freedom Texas can get something going here, maybe on RBN. Um. Okay. Now I know that. I I believe these uh, religious charities that are helping these illegals come across. Aren't they getting some kind of funding through the federal government? And what do, is that? Or, yes, ma'am. So, so they get gov- government grants. Uh, you know, usually it is, um, you know, either health and human services, um, a couple of others, um, to the tune of about $400 billion of what used to be our money every year. So 
the, the federal government through these grants to these non-governmental organizations is helping to finance the destruction of our country. Okay, uh, I know, I think Catholic Charities is one of them. There's, can you name the others? Uh, there is the, the Methodist organization. Uh, then some of them are non-religious based. Um, and there's been a couple of investigative reporters that have done a really good job of going through this. And unfortunately, I don't have links to them right now, but I will try and get those today, uh, later today. And because I've got a couple other things I need to owe that we can, can give you background information. Okay, Dave, I've got one more thing. Can I hold on? Yeah, please uh, hold to the other side of the break. Uh, we'll be right back, folks. Publicbroadcasting.org is a website. Red Pill Politics is a show. Hit that share button, and we'll see you in just a few moments. I need a favor. God, I need a favor. I know amazing days, but I ain't been living them worse. Swear I spend more Sundays drunk off my ass than I have in church. Hardcover King James only been saving dust on the nightstand. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. Or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try Hemp Paste for the price of a cup of coffee. HempPaste.com slash RBN. 
free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash rbn. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few. In one month, my blood pressure dropped significantly. I no longer get chest pain after exercise. It's amazing, and I ordered my second bottle. The reviews are spot on. My target is to get off BP meds, and if it keeps going like this, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. So far, a great product is what it claims to be. Great product. A few days in, and I could feel a difference for certain. Not checking medical stats yet. I know this is really working by how I feel. We'll continue to take this product. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. We are joined this week with Tommy Attaway, former Army officer, current Texas State Guard, and author. Uh, we have with us on uh, the phone line Sherry from Kansas. I uh, held you over from uh, break. Thanks for uh, holding in the wings there on deck. Uh, go ahead with your second uh, question there, Sherry. Okay. Um, I remember hearing something, and I think this happened under uh George W. Bush, or one of the, he, either him or Obama, was said to have signed something about a North American Union, and um, it's almost like they're they're letting them in under that, and that was supposed to allow free immigration. Do you do you know anything about this North American Union thing? Because he didn't ever get it ratified, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, not really, because I, I, I kind of worry about these things when it comes before the Senate for ratification. Um, yeah, I just have so many things going on that you know I can't be uh, knowledgeable and conversant about everything. So, sorry. Yeah, I, I heard someone say the other day on a show that... Uh, Mexico ratified it on their end, and Canada ratified it. And it sounds like, oh, uh, Biden is just letting it happen. But yeah, well, I mean, that's where the Soviet network comes in that they've installed over the decades. It's like Agenda 21. That started, it was signed into what's called soft law by George Bush, a, a Republican, which means that. It wasn't ratified in the Senate, although Nancy Pelosi did push to uh, ratify Agenda 21. It failed. 
Um, but it was signed in a soft law, which allows the states and agencies and nonprofits and NGOs to a la carte style uh, take little bits and pieces of Agenda 21 policy and institute them, uh, you know, in this case through the American Planning Association, eventually your regional planners in your uh, right in your community. Um, so when these things a la carte style, like in a big free trade agreement like that, although it may not have been ratified, it's not going to stop the NGOs, the agencies. Those things are not government. They're governmental. They're government-like, but they create policy that's pretty onerous. You know, just look at the FDA and uh, Army Corps of Engineers and so on and so forth. So a lot of these things, although not ratified, we shouldn't be surprised that they just, you know, ooze in uh, through the Soviet. Yeah. yeah okay, that, I'll that get off. And yeah, there's that, that huge bureaucracy. And, of course, that's one of the dangers of executive orders, of, you know, mm-hmm. trying to implement all of these provisions of agreements that would never be ratified by the Senate, but yet still make them happen. Right. Yeah. Okay, I'll get off and let someone else come on. Good Joe. Okay, thank you, Sherry. Thank you for the question. Thank you for the call. Um, yeah, these NGOs, they're going to play a, a much bigger uh, role. Um, well, they're already playing a bigger role. It's going to be a greater awareness, I think, that has to start happening is people have to recognize the significant role that they play. And, and they're going to see it, hopefully, for the first time, maybe in this border crisis, but understand that these NGOs, we are bathed in them. Okay, they are all around us and pushing all kinds of policies, uh, not even related to, to uh, immigration necessarily. Energy, food supply, uh, land use, uh, the air you breathe, the water you drink. Um, you would be surprised at the network of NGOs that are involved there. Um, we got a couple more callers. Um, I'm going to uh, get Mike from Arizona. Mike, how are you today? Yes, Dave, Tommy, good afternoon or morning. Uh, excellent broadcast. Uh, Sherry just asked about the NGOs. I'll went in there. Its abbreviation is H-I-A-S. It's the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society. And it turns out uh, Alejandro Mayorkas used to be on the board of directors of HIAS. Uh, I, the, uh, talking about the cartels, uh, oftentimes we'll talk about what's going on here in the United States, but also it's the push and pull of what's going on in Mexico, in the state of Tamaulipas. That's over by the Gulf of Mexico and then along the southern Texas border. Uh, used to have two big cartels there, the Gulf Cartel and the Zetas, and they're a shell of what they used to be. And now the CJNG is seen that as an opportunity, and they're exerting their influence to uh, of the Gulf Cartel and the Zetas. Uh, in warfare, uh, there's what we'll refer to as the rules of warfare. Number one is to realize that you are in a war, uh, number two is the type of war that you're in. And three is to describe the, the battlefield. And uh, I 
put forward that what's going on in Mexico is actually an insurgency. The big ones like the Sinaloa cartel, the CJNG, uh, they're more would be described properly as an insurgent group and not just drug cartels because they're actually taking over the area. They'll go into an area, they'll kill the governor, they'll kill the mayor, they'll kill the chief of police, they'll kill the teachers, and then they set up their own form of government. So it would fall more uh, into the uh, category of an insurgency as to where they're taking over uh, specific areas. Uh, For the other people that would like a little bit more information about that, I'd like to steer you to a couple of websites that I find very, very informative. One is called borderlandbeat.com, and that uh, mainly covers what's going on in Mexico. And there's another one that's called insightcrime.org, but that covers not so much Mexico, but lots of what's going on in Colombia, Venezuela, uh, El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, other places like that. So that's borderlandbeat.com and insightcry.org. I'll turn it back up. Excellent broadcast. Thank you very much. Later. All right. Thank you for the call, Mike. Um, yeah, I'll uh, include those also in, uh, in my show description later. Uh, yeah, let's get to it. is the go-to site for, for what's going on uh, just over the border into Mexico. Yeah, what kinds of uh, information can folks find there? Uh, they'll find you know, information about which cartels are, are making hits and operating in which sectors of Mexico, um, battles between the cartels, who's winning, uh, you know, which cartels have taken over part of Mexico from the government, uh, you know, and also some of the names behind all of this, and, and occasionally you, you, it traces back to the United States as to who's involved on our side of the border and some of their stuff. Uh, but you know, it's, again, one of the things that we really needed to do, which is have a whole lot more of an intel estimate and view as to what's going on in Mexico, and it's the things that uh, the federal government certainly will not permit uh, the Texas National Guard to do. Uh, and so that's one of the things that we have to get through Department of Public Safety as a civilian law enforcement organization. You know, they try to, to keep a little bit of a view on what's going on over the border, and, and I have actually gotten more information from them than I have from any other source uh, that's oh, been useful. Uh-huh. All right, good deal. We'll have to showcase that more. Um, all right, let's uh, go to another caller here, uh, Chuck from Texas. How are you today? Well, doing great. Hey, uh, could you spell Tommy's uh, last name for me? Yes, A-T-T-A-W-A-Y. Ah, I'm glad I asked. <laughs> okay, hey, um, Tommy, I would, I would ask you to get on Gab as well, since our governor absolutely hates it. You may shot a video with him and a couple of, a couple of Zionists. Um, you know, talking bad about Gab, you know, Gab okay. Social, I would suggest, please, uh, get on Gab. I'm on MeWe and Gab, too. But anyway, um, do you really think that, um, that Governor Abbott is on the up and up? I mean, considering that he's a, a member of the World Economic Forum, and I think this is all a kabuki dance. 
another sidetrack, make a bunch of noise. Oh, look, I'm defending you, reelect me. Just to be betrayed in the bottom line, what actually happens is nothing. Yeah, you know, okay. I'm trying to get my finger on that, too. I, I mentioned earlier in the show um, is I really trust and I look forward to uh, reports from Michael Yon. And he's been the primary uh, source of that coming out saying that you know, Abbott's a traitor. He's WEF all the way. And I've gone in search of content where someone has pressed Michael Yon on why. What I mean, what else do you have? And all is he has is the fact that uh, Abbott was listed on the WEF website. Now, I know for a fact they do that a lot of times to a lot of people. And I think uh, to generate the type of reaction uh, that we're seeing, possibly. Um, And when uh, Jan was pressed, what would Abbott have to do? And all he said is he'd just have to come out and denounce the uh, WEF and demand that his his, uh, face, his picture... Uh, be taken off from their website. I mean, it's no deeper than that. Is it? Uh, it all stems from that one page that the WEF took upon themselves to put up there. But I too am interested to hear somebody confront Abbott and just ask him that question: Will you refute the WEF and demand that your face be taken down and see how he responds? Well, I. I I have done that on on Twitter. Every time Abbott posts something, I always accuse him of being a traitor, and they ne- they do not respond. I mean, uh, I'm not a nice man on the internet, to be honest. I'm really not. I'm finally back in the fight again, and I keep hammering them. Explain this, and I post the uh, the image of his you know thing on the WEF, and they don't respond, which to me just raises the house. If he was on the up and up, he would dispute it. All they do is ignore you. And so Tommy, that's, that's, do you think that he dragged his feet? Because a lot of people say that uh, Governor Abbott could have done what he's doing now a long time ago. Uh, do you think he was? Do you think he was okay, doing that? Uh, I can only address part of this because, as an officer in the state guard, I have restrictions on what I can say about my superiors. Um, <laughs> Understood. We're just laying it out there. Understood. Okay. Um, initially, uh, he was holding back because his advisors were always telling him about Section Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution, uh, that no state can keep troops in time of peace. Now he has changed his uh, view to where Texas is now under invasion and therefore can invoke invoked the invasion clause of the Constitution, and so he has a freer hand to use military resources. Okay, so my... my that, that's uh, the official answer. Okay, my, my thing to go with, with that train of thought, and Lord knows I feel like I'm ADD um, in fights of my own here locally, but uh, who are his, you know, we need to look into who are his advisors, and is he getting the same kind of advice and advisories that Trump did during his first administration, which was a disaster as far as I'm concerned? So you elect somebody who talks very something. Yeah, and just chase down who are their advisors? Where is this coming from? To me, Trump was an absolute disaster because of who he appointed. And I don't trust Trump not to do it again. I'm, 
I think voting is a waste of time. We're done. My opinion, America's done. We're too far. Is there, stick a fork in us. You know? Has there so, been a change of advisors that uh, reflect this uh, change of heart that, that Abbott had? Is that in response to some changes that he made around him? Uh, I'm not certain. Uh, you know, I'm going to say, you know, part of that would be um, advice from legal counsel in the Texas military department. I would say stick a finger in the air, let your finger stick it up in the air, and how am I going to get reelected again so I can betray people quietly again? You know, what's everybody upset about? Okay, I'll say I'm for it. I think this is just some more of the same old kabuki dance that we have seen in this country for the last, you know, since I'm, a, I'm not a young man anymore, for the last 60 years that they say one thing, always do another, the Republicans do. They're just the other side of the coin. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. And, oh, I couldn't because, they, oh, have you ever noticed how powerful the Democrats are getting their agendas pushed and Republicans can just never get anything done? Yeah, I think that's what we're about to see with the bipartisan border bill that they're harping about is a, a gigantic sellout. This is something that we should not uh, we should force them to uh, to enforce what's on the books. This has been an argument we've had for a very long time on a variety of topics when they come in decrying the need for a new layer of the onion. Uh, we say you haven't enforced the old ones. You've got old laws that you're violating right now. I think we got to jam on the brakes and force them to prove to us that what's on the books now is inadequate. Oh, that's what I think, because this, this bipartisan bill is going to take us deeper into the swamp. Um, and I, I'm going to let, let me chime in one more time, and then I'll let you get to another caller, because I don't want to you know, monopolize time. Uh, we, we're just going to see, in my opinion, we're just going to see a repeat of what was done under Reagan. Remember, the, you have to be old enough to remember the big immigration, the oh, uh, amnesty, and the Democrats promised, oh, we'll take care of the border, and we'll change, change, change. Got the, they got the amnesty, and nothing changed. It's going to happen again. Yeah. People are, are not old enough to remember the betrayal by Reagan of the American people. Even our greatest best have always, in the bottom line, betrayed us. Yeah, his advisors convinced him that it was impossible to get rid of uh, the ones that already got in. In the you know there were no choices. We can't get rid of them, so we've got to do something. And that was to grant them amnesty, but only one time. That'll never happen again. Well, <laughs> short memories, and here we are. So, uh, Chuck, thank you for uh, the call. Uh, appreciate it. Um, got one more uh, coming in here. Uh, but what are your uh, your comments about that, Tommy? Do you think? Uh, um, I think there's one very interesting aspect that that is yet to play out. Um, one is going to be control of a state's national guard. One of the fictions that, that takes place now is that the National Guard is a dual-status organization with both a federal and a, a state role. And I think at, at the end of the day on this, um, it's going to be one or the other, but it won't be both. Well, 
Um, I don't know. We've got to uh, keep an eye on this and make sure that we don't uh, leave vacancies, man. People have been quiet for too darn long. Uh, see, we're getting down to the final couple of minutes. Um, let's uh, get to our final caller of the day. Mike from Kentucky. How are you today? Uh, dreary and a little, um, I just ate me some good old red pepper flakes, so I'm sweating a little bit, but man, it's kind of cold and dreary. NAFTA and GATT, from what I'm reading, they've never really been rescinded. The North American Free Trade Agreement and the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trades, people raised ruckus about that for years during the Clinton administration and, and even into W's administration, so I think what we got to watch out for is Congress's habit of doing appeasement and then there's also, I constantly hear what I would label as uh, uh, demoralization. People just want to give up on everything, we're done, you know, that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, maybe we have been since 1860-something with the 14th Amendment. I think we need to get that before the courts because there's there's things about that that was never adjudicated. The states that rescinded their ratification... And uh, that should have scuttled it, and they went ahead. This is full steam ahead. You know, Congress gave the Secretary of State an order to recognize it, and what's his name, Johnson, wouldn't. So charging Trump with insurrection seemed like a good opportunity, but none of his legal eagles are going to do that, unless there's been a compromise behind the scene. But there's all kinds of stuff that's not enforced by policy. You know, if it gets raised enough ruckus about Maybe they'll pass a resolution that orders uh, government employees not to enforce it, like NAFTA. Have you heard much about that? I, I know. She, I think she didn't have the name right. That previous caller, the woman that called in, that's what it was called: super highways and trade corridors, that kind of stuff. That's still in play. One of the things that, that President Trump did was renegotiate NAFTA into something called, I think, the USMCA. Uh, United oh. States Mexico Canada agreement, and okay. so yeah, NAFTA has been superseded, and I think some of the worst parts of it gotten peeled in that process since we had somebody who actually cared about the United States for once in office. Well, that's a good sign. I mean, I, I, the, if just doing the Google search about it, the articles need updated uh, on Wikipedia and some other ones because they act like it's still in play. And probably the only way to undo a treaty is to declare that it's unconstitutional. Because any treaty that's not in congruence with the Constitution should be null and void. But they, they try to claim that treaties can change or amend the Constitution. That's just not right. Yeah, I'm not even convinced that these types of trade agreements are even needed. I'm kind of with Ron Paul in this. is in that you yeah. just have free and open trade with other nations of the world. And if they are hostile well, against your interest. You just turn and do trade with somebody else. You become uh, I, uh, the, the border becomes irrelevant. Then the tariffs, trades, imposts, and duties part of the Constitution is is nullified. Well, you know, the, the legitimate constitutional taxes that the federal government could operate under become nullified if you do that, and then they only can get revenue by local and income taxes. Yeah, that, that's one of the implications there. And as uh, Ross Perot used to say. You know, it doesn't take a thousand pages to say, we get to sell our stuff in your country the same way you get to sell your stuff in our country. 
Right. For instance, the pork example. China has some crazy tariff, like 65% on pork chops. But if you import a half carcass of a pork, it drops by 15%. But it ain't reciprocated on our end. Anyway, I, I thank you for taking my call. All right. Thanks for the uh, call, Mike. Sure. Mike from Kentucky. Uh, and I want to thank my uh, interview today, uh, Tommy Attaway, author, uh, former Army officer and Texas State Guard. I uh, appreciate you carving out some time this Sunday and coming on the show and uh, bringing some awareness that's uh, uh, much needed here. Uh, we're going to have to touch base more often as things play out, uh, maybe after the convoy, uh, see what's happening with this uh, bipartisan screwing we're about to take. Uh, but I appreciate your uh, your input and your insight here today. Thank you. And and again, uh, uh, how we got a, a MeWe site and uh, you got a book that's out there. Um, is there an email? Anything you'd like to share? Um, uh, other uh, well, right now, email. Uh, yeah, email could be like Tommy underscore Attaway at Yahoo dot com. Uh, I probably need to get something out there on, on the internet so you know people can can make it easier to contact me it's something i really hadn't uh you know worked on that much i i really need to uh, but anyway thank you for the invitation to uh, appear on the show and um it'll be my pleasure to return at any time excellent thank you very much have a wonderful day tommy and uh stay safe out there all right folks there you have it uh appreciate all of you tuning in all right i love all you guys uh hit that share button down below if you will uh, if you have some information, uh, please do share it, not just in the live chat, but in the comments under the video so that it travels with the video as a resource. I'll do some updates to the show description to include the, the links that we have here so we can all monitor what's going on at the border in the cartels and what they're up to. All right. Love and appreciate you all. Fly your flag tie. Keep your powder dry. Love each other out there. We'll see you next week. Would you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly! The new Ease-Off Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Ease-Off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive! Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease-Off? 
It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com. And hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 